Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. We're um, this morning during prayer. Um, we just have such an expectation of what the Lord wants to do among us. And um, I don't know how many of you have been kind of following and watching the Asbury revival, and that there's been breakout in several other campuses across the nation. And this morning, um, there's just this beautiful offer from the Lord to us of what do we want? And um, our declaration was that we want more of Him. We want His presence among us. Um, so this morning, we are going to welcome our beautiful King. And we're going to make room for Him to do what He wants to do this morning. So um, I love from the motto or kind of like the tagline from The Chosen, it says, get used to different. So this morning, we're saying we're going to get used to different. Because there's a longing inside of us and a desire inside of us for everything that he is to be our reality. So will you stand with me this morning as we just jump into worship? I hope that there's this stirring inside of you of expectation of what he wants to do this morning. There's something about this expectation in the spirit and the atmosphere of what he wants to do among us. And we're praying and desiring and hoping that that's what your heart is longing for too. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. Holy Spirit, you revealed Jesus to us. And Jesus, you revealed the Father. Come and just let there be a fresh wind that would blow and move among your people, Lord. We declare that your presence is all we long for. You are what we long for, and you fulfill and fill the desire of every living thing. Jesus, we worship you and we honor you, our beautiful King. Amen. Let's worship together, y'all.
sound of child bones rattling. This is a praise, make a dead man walk again. Set for a heart 
but he also allows us to say no. But let's say yes. Whatever you want is always for our good. No matter the cost, it is a worthy investment. And we say yes. We say yes. As we get ready for the next song, just maybe take a moment. Just settle that thing that's in your heart where you're saying, I, I don't know if I want to say yes because it might be uncomfortable. It might not be easy. I might not like it at first. But let's just take a moment and choose to say yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. God, have your way. Yes. Yes in power. Yes in grace. Yes in every detail. He is a detail-oriented God. And we say yes to the God of details. He knows your secret whispers. He knows mine too. And he says yes. It's a new yes, and it's an underlying bold italic yes. Will you join me in that? Yes. I don't want to settle. What I heard at the beginning, we were talking about hunger. You know what? Sometimes if you avoid hunger long enough, which is a normal thing, you stop being hungry. And I'm saying, God, stir up our hunger so that nothing else gets our attention. But we need your feeding. I need you at all cost. I need you. Status quo is not enough anymore. And he said, I've just been waiting for you to say yes. I already said yes to you, and it is finished, but I never force my will on you. I am a gentleman. So we say yes, Lord God. Yes. Yes. I'll speak Jesus. i speak Jesus.
suffering from uh, sickness, disease, emotional pain. Um, that was a sense we had for this morning. Is We're just going to go after that in a big way. Um, one of our elders came, Dave Woodham, and said, hey, you know, the scripture says in James 5 that um, if there's any sick among you, call for the elders of the church, have them lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith is going to lift them up. And so we're going to do that in just a minute, and we're going to trust the Lord for signs and wonders and miracles and just um, rescue, quite frankly, because some people I know have been struggling with some sickness and illness for a very, very long time, and we've been contending. And so the challenge with that sometimes is the longer you contend, the, um, 
the danger of that is you can begin to lose hope. And so we're going to speak into that again. We believe God's going to do some amazing things. But before we do that, we're going to sing the song again in just a minute. Um, I had this sense this morning, so often we come and, and our needs are so big that we can't see God. And that's, that's, you know, that's the, the nature of a fallen and a broken world. It's, we can be very, very broken and hurting. And if you've ever been in pain, you know what I'm talking about. The pain is the only thing you can see. It's the only thing. You, until something happens, pain is your world. And, and I know that's happening now. We're seeing that. We're sensing that across the board, all over the, all over the United States, all over Europe, the world. We're feeling that. All the hope that was put in every authority, whether it's science, medicine, politics, technology, we're finding out very, very quickly that, that that hope was misapplied and it's not rescuing like we thought it would, like the world thought it would. And so the only hope at the end of the day, the only hope is the one who is hope, and that's Jesus. And so I want to read this scripture, a simple scripture, and what we're going to do is we're just going to take a minute, and, and I want you to do your best this morning to lay aside the pain, lay aside the fear, lay aside whatever is just taking over your focus And we're going to take a minute and we're going to focus on the one who deserves all the focus. We're going to focus on Jesus. And so often, again, we're crying out to the Lord, but what we're really doing is crying out from the pain. And and I think there's something that the Lord wants to do this morning where the focus, again, we're seeing this pockets of revival all over the world right now. Um, The focus is very, very quickly coming back around to him. And what's so amazing is what Scripture says all this time, seek first the kingdom, everything you have need of will be added to you. So I have this sense that as we focus on Jesus, the needs that we have will begin to be met. Healing is going to break out spontaneously because the focus on Jesus, it just the glory of the Lord fills the earth, and that's what he's after. So this is the Scripture in Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So we're just going to do that. Just take a minute and, and, and really, if we can, just focus on him. Just see him for who he is high and lifted up. His train filling the temple. His train and his glory filling the entire earth. As the waters cover the sea, his glory fills the earth. So Jesus, we just come. Lord, and we long to see you accurately. We long to see you wholly and completely for who you are. Lord, you, know, you are no longer on this earth, Lord. You are no longer on a cross. Jesus, you are glorified. You are lifted high, Lord, for all to see. You said when we do that, you would draw men unto yourself. And so, Jesus, we just want to take a little while. We just want to, we want to worship you, and we want to honor you. We want to leave behind, Lord, the, the challenges that we have, as tough as that is, Lord. We want to lay them aside for a moment and just give you glory and give you honor and lift you up. Lord, and we want to see you accurately. We want to see you for who you really are, Lord. Take away all the mindsets, Lord, that have limited who you are in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we want to see you accurately. 
So Jesus, as we worship, will, will you reveal yourself completely to us? By your Spirit, Lord, will you reveal yourself to us?
take just a few minutes and we're going to pray for people. We're going to have the elders come up front and we're going to anoint people with oil. I love the book of Acts because it was the birthing of the church. And we are the church. And there is something that he is rebirthing in his church and in his bride today. And um, I love this scripture. It says this. It says, stretch out your hand of power through us to heal the church in the early day was no different than us it was totally dependent upon the spirit of God and that's where we are today stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son Jesus so if you need healing the team is going to keep playing on this song because we're speaking the name of Jesus, the Holy Son of Jesus, to pray over people and the power of signs and wonders and miracles to be loosed in this house. And then we'll
we'll pray. Come on, come on up, Michelle. Um, I just want to share with you what one of the pictures the Lord gave me for the church because it's what He's doing here this morning, and it's in line with what, what we're going to pray. There's I, the season has changed. It's a season of springtime. And I saw these windows open, and there's a fresh breeze blowing, and there's healing coming, there's restoration coming, and and I just wanted to um, put that expectation in you. The Lord is not shut out; He's coming in. He's here. He's here to meet with us. And and in spring, there's new growth, there's new expectation, and things that have been prayed for a long time, you're going to start to see the buds come. Even this morning. The Lord's going to move. And <clears throat> I felt specifically like um, the anoint- there's an anointing for healing this morning. I felt like one of the things God wants to heal, are, I felt like he spoke to me about leadership wounds. And he wants to restore. He's a God who restores. And I felt like this, this, this is a home. This is a place of restoration. But I felt like the Lord said, it's time for you to be restored. It's time to not stay in a wounded place. And that's just the kindness of the Lord. It's the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he says to some people, you are not, you're not defined by what's happened to you. You're defined by who he says you are. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to settle that. In Psalm 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand and he put a new song in my heart and I believe that this morning God wants to set some people's feet on a solid place of of who Jesus is of his love for you and he's going to bring healing the enemies try to keep you in a place of being wounded and the Lord says no more there's an invitation today and I love how um, Dave just started this with we we're not bringing we're not focusing so much on what's happened to us. We, we're locking eyes with the King of Kings. We're locking eyes with Jesus. We're not taking our eyes off him. But the Lord is here to heal. He's here to take years of things that have been spoken off of you. He's here to take things where the doctors have said it's impossible. He's going to make it possible because it's who he is. So I know the Lord's here to heal today. And we're going to ask the elders to come up front. And um, if you need healing this morning, I don't care what it's for. His hand is stretched out to heal. It's who he is. Not just that he heals, he is healer for you this morning. So whatever you need this morning, he has a rich supply to overwhelm you with his goodness of healing. So as the team plays and you want prayer, come up and we'll pray for you.
Shine through the shadows, burn light. 
Hallelujah. Jesus, we just say thank you, Lord. God, as always, we just invite more and more and more of you in our midst, Lord. Lord, we serve at the pleasure of our King. Lord, we come on Sunday mornings, Lord, to receive from you, Lord, to acknowledge you, to worship and honor you, to lift your name on high, Lord, because you're worthy of our praise, you're worthy of all honor. Jesus, you are worthy of it all. So we've lifted our hearts to you, Lord. We say thank you. Lord, thank you for meeting needs. Lord, thank you for healing, for deliverance this morning, Lord. And we just say, come, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we see revival breaking out in our land, Lord, Lord, we open up these doors, not the physical building, Lord, although that too, but we open up the doors of our heart, Lord. In Psalms, it says, swing wide, you heavenly gates, that the King of glory may come in. King of glory, come. Come in power, Lord. Come in majesty. Come declare who you are, Lord. We will honor you and we will worship you, Lord, because that's why we're here. So, Jesus, we just bless you and say thank you for this morning. And, Lord, again, just an open invitation, as always, to come and move among your people, Lord. Be glorified in our midst, we pray. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go ahead and bring uh, Greg up. Greg, if you would just come on up. And uh, I'm not going to give a long introduction. We've been praying for this weekend for a long time and trusting the Lord would come in power, and so he's doing that. Um, but we also want to honor what, when the Lord brings people translocally into our midst. Usually it's to confirm and bring some, uh, some confirmation and affirmation to us as a people, as a local church. And uh, Greg's been my pastor now for about 15 years, so we were at his church for three, serving in ministry with him. But again, uh, the most important thing is we just count he, him and Michelle as a friend more than anything else. And I think that's the beauty of what the Lord wants to do in local churches and translocal ministry. So would, would you just welcome Greg and as he brings the message this morning? All right. Well, welcome. Great to see some uh, new faces and some um, familiar faces. I was going to say old faces, but that's not, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to be here. Thanks for having us. And um, I think what's happening in our nation is that church as usual or church that's been going on is um, being, being challenged, I think, by the Spirit of God. He's wanting to break in with new life. And he wants to minister to people and he wants to be the Lord of the proceedings. And um, for people who are not used to the Lord being the Lord and are used to running their own plan, that can be discomforting. But that discomfort is probably one of the most healthy things that could probably happen to a church, that the Spirit of the Lord becomes Lord. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians, now in this time, the Lord, the Greek word is kurios, it means the Lord, the master, the one who's in charge. Right now, the Lord is the Spirit. Because Jesus is seated in the throne of heaven, and he and the Father sent the Holy Spirit, uh, the member of the Godhead on earth right now. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is given lordship, there will be liberty. And one of the things the Holy Spirit is inviting the church in America, around the world, but specifically in our nation, is to uh, respond to his lordship. 
And that's pretty cool. And so I'm excited to be in a church that's doing that. I'm not going to preach for long because we've, I feel like the Lord's done a lot of what he wants to do in the service. But I want to just talk a few minutes about something that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart. 1 Timothy 6 says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That Greek word to take hold of means to seize, to grab it like an eagle that swoops down and grabs. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. There was an offer made to you for the riches of eternal life, and you need to grab hold of it, seize it. And you need to fight, a fight of faith. Now, many people think it's the fight against sin or the fight to be right or the fight of obedience, but Paul said that's the fight of faith. And it does not matter. We can add more obedience to our life or more prayer or more you know, almsgiving, uh, if we do not increase the faith. The, the battlefield is not obedience. The battlefield is faith. And so one of the things that I feel like the Lord is off, after in the church is that we need to shake off unbelief. We need to wash ourselves in the water of the word. We need to start believing God and fighting a battle in the realm of faith, not in the realm of the, what we naturally would see. And so if we are not careful, this dust of this world will cake itself onto us and we respond only in the flesh. And God is calling uh, us away from the demands of harsh religion uh, and he wants to take us on a journey of faith uh, that's exhilarating and interesting and beautiful. If we take faith out of our relationship with God, all that happens is we devolve into a long list of rules that are policed by demanding eagle-eyed people. And God's not, God didn't set up this life in a walk with him to be a set of rules that he polices. He said, I want you to come on an adventure with me. It's a walk of faith. I'm struggling to see you from the lights, but I just want to make sure that there are people out there who are agreeing with me because you look like, you, you, you look like you're not believing what I'm saying. Okay. So I wanted to just look a little bit about, just speak very briefly about this idea of how God wants to minister in faith and how he stirs us. And so obviously we're going to go to the chapter on faith that's found in Hebrews 11. And I want to start with verse 1. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. There are some things that you can understand, and the only way you understand them is you believe them. By faith, we understand. And some people refuse to understand the proclamation of faith. Because we think that somehow we, our brains or uh, whatever, we go, yeah, no, I know better. And so you won't understand some things of the kingdom unless you understand them by faith. Does that make sense? 
Well, I don't understand how you can lay hands on somebody and then a physical healing happens in their body. That's just not rational. Well, some things you have to understand by faith. You're not going to understand them by the natural realm. Right? So Abraham is obviously, we're going to get to Abraham a little later in the chapter, but Abraham is, is obviously the, the father. And Abraham did this by remembering his promises. So let me run through this quickly with you. And Genesis 12, the Lord says to Abraham, go from your country, from your people, your father's household, to a land that I'm going to show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And um, <clears throat> I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I'll, whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham lives among a moon-worshipping moon Babylonian culture, and he meets the living God. There's all this, this history about Abraham. Some, the Jewish Misna, which is not scripture, but it's a Jewish tradition, says that Abraham was discipled by his grandfather Noah, who was a righteous man. And Noah taught him about God, and Abraham goes in response, because the Lord promises, I'm going to bless you. And so we're going to jump to... Uh, Abraham was 75 years old when he went out from Haran and he took his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot and all the possessions that they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So, chapter 13 of Genesis. Abraham went up from Egypt. Abraham had gone to Haran. There was a, he'd gone back down to Egypt. Now he was going back up to the Negev. And his wife, we took everything he had, and Lot went with him. And Abraham had become very wealthy. Why? Because God had promised him, I'm going to bless you. If you go, I'll bless you. And Abraham had gone, and God had blessed him. And Abraham is a very wealthy man in livestock and silver and gold. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their positions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. I love this. This is a fascinating moment in Abraham's life because it has become necessary for them to split up because the, God has blessed them both so much. And so Abraham says to Lot, we're on this little mountain, look in any direction. If you go that way, I'll go the other way. Because Abraham was not in his own heart going, man, I... I hope he doesn't choose that, that luscious green belly over there. I really want that for myself. Abraham's going, God gave me a promise. And he said, go and I'll, I'll bless you. So Abraham's going, it doesn't matter which way I go. If I go that way, God will bless me. If I walk out into the desert, God will bless me. God said, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to build a nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you so great everybody in the world are going to be blessed through you. And I'm going to prosper you, Abraham. And he goes, Lot, where do you want to go? Just choose. If you go that way, I'll go this way. 
There's something about people who have settled with the promises of God. See, if you're not settled with the promises of God, now you're out for advantage. Now you're going, oh, you go to the desert and I'll go to the lush green valley down here. So Lot, when he gets this offer, he goes, and he looks, and near Sodom and Gomorrah, there's this lush green valley, and it's watered by rivers. And Lot says, I'm going that way. Abraham says, great. And he goes the opposite way. This is before God has dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah. This is when it still looks lush and green. And Lot makes the mistake of trying to wheel and deal. And Abraham says, whatever way you want to go. You know why? Because the promises of God are not circumstantial for me. They rest and abide on me. And because I settled with them and believed on them, everywhere I go, the promises of God are going to be on my life. The prosperity of God is going to flow through me. The provision of God is going to be on me. It does not matter where I go. You can put me down where there's nothing. The favor of God is on me. And so I feel like this is part of what the Lord is trying to say. How clear are you about the promises of God on your life? Some of us need to go back and reread and remember the promises God has made to us. And if you say, well, I'm not sure God's made any promises, well, then go back and read some scripture. Because the Bible says no matter how many promises God has made, in whatever covenant he made them, they have become yes to you when you believed in Jesus. And by you, the amen, the so be it, is spoken to the glory of God. Well, I don't know what promises. Well, go and pick one. Well, that's not right. Yeah, it is. Because the Bible says no matter what promises God made, they're all yes in Jesus. Because Jesus is the beginning and the ending, the foundation stone and the capstone, the alpha and the omega, everything. All things are created by him and for him, and in him everything has its being. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. The whole universe is about Jesus, and when you came into Jesus, every promise God ever made is yours because you believed in Jesus. Well, I don't know what promises to believe. Pick one. See, Abraham settled something. He goes, God promised me. Lot, where do you want to go? Some of us get anxious. Ooh, I hope I choose right. I wonder. We're looking for the greenest valley, for the most opportunity, for the quickest buck, for the quick way I can make. Ooh, because we don't have the faith in the promises God made us. And that is easily seen in some people. But when you have settled with the promises of God on your life, then you calm down. Then you say to other people, go ahead. What do you want? Go for it. Have at it. You know why? Because the promises of God on my life are not dependent on other people's perspective or on my performance. They're dependent on the fact that I believed what God said. And so, there are only two mechanisms that the scriptures talk to. In the old covenant, the mechanism that was proposed was, God says, this is the standard. You behave, and if you behave 100% correctly, then God will release blessing to you. In other words, the old covenant was built on this 
mechanism, your 100% obedience will release the inheritance to you. So Deuteronomy 28 says, if you diligently obey all that is written in the law of the Lord and you don't break, break any of them, then the following blessings will come upon you. But if you do not fully hearken to the voice of the Lord and you break any of these things, then the following curses will come upon you. Nobody ever got their inheritance released to them by that mechanism. What the New Testament introduces is a mechanism whereby God makes a promise and if you believe what he says, the inheritance is released to you. Some of you are struggling to believe that. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. God said to a guy who was, had no kids and his wife was barren and he was too old to have kids and she was too old to have kids and God said to him, I'm going to give you kids through her. And he looked at her and he looked at him. She faced the fact that his body was good as dead, the Bible says, and he looked at her and he looked at himself and he goes, yeah, I believe that. And God said, there's a righteous man and released an inheritance to him. Not on the basis of his behavior. He hadn't behaved that well. He'd given his wife to the king of Egypt. And then he handed his wife off. He wasn't behaving that well. It wasn't behavior. It was belief that locked, unlocked the, the inheritances of God. Fight the fight of faith, not fight of behavior. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. That was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because when he burnt it up, it didn't look so cute anymore. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. And the two men parted company and Abraham lived in the land of Canaan. And Lot lived among the city plains and pitched his tent near Sodom. And Lot lived amongst the Sodom and Gomorrahites. And the Bible says he was tortured in his righteous soul living in that place. Why was he living in that place? Because he thought it was an advantage to him financially. And the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, Look around you where you are to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and all the land that you see I will give you into your offspring forever. And I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring would be counted Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Abraham received an inheritance because he settled with the promises God had made. And my advice to you, my suggestion to you is, I dare you to go back and look at any prophetic words or promises God has made to you. I just dare you to stir it up again. I dare you to hold it up to the Lord and say, Lord, you said, because I've decided that if I say anything that's opposite to what God has said about me, then I'm being extremely arrogant. The Lord says, I've made you to be this. You go, oh, I'm not that. That's really arrogant because God said, no, I've made you that. So I'm going to start saying what God said about me. And I'm going to start believing what he promised. And I'm going to adjust my life to what he said. Because that word sustains the whole universe, the Bible says. Sustains everything by his powerful word. Why wouldn't his word work in my life? So that's number one. My suggestion to you, go back. 
And then Hebrews 11 goes on in verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was, see, embraced the promises. He didn't embrace obedience. He embraced the promises. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So let's jump to Genesis 22 where this happens, and God says to Abraham, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him to me. So they, the Bible says early the next morning, Abraham didn't wait. He didn't waver. The Lord spoke to him early the next morning. Before the sun was up, he wakes Isaac up. Come, let's go. We're going. And his wife says, well, what are you doing, honey? We're going to go for a war. We're going to go sacrifice to the Lord. And she's, ah, oh, okay. And so off they go. And they're walking up the hill. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I didn't like the way you were sizing me up when you were cutting the wood, Dad. It made me a little nervous. We got the wood, then we got the fire. Where's the lamb? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two went, went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he said. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so, the, so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And so the, the Hebrew is an interesting word. It means the Lord will see to it. The Lord will see the need. The one who goes ahead of you, who sees your need and goes ahead of you to see that the need is fulfilled. So he called that place, Jehovah Jireh is the most important, Yahweh Jireh. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Because you have obeyed me. Let me say this. The second thing I want to say is, Abraham decided to do whatever the Lord said, even though he didn't understand what the Lord told him to do. And the temptation for me is to go, before I do what you tell me, you need to explain to me why I need to do that. I mean, I'm happy to do it, but we put up our own logic and our own ration and our own reasoning as the Lord of our life. And we say, Lord, before we'll obey you, you have to pass through my personal little test of whether I think that what you've told me to do is valid. And Abraham just simply wouldn't do that. The Lord said, 
want you to kill your son Isaac. And Abraham goes, but you said it's through Isaac that my son. So he goes, all right. And he reasoned to himself. I'm going to kill him. God's going to raise him. Because God said through him. You can have a painful few minutes, but we'll deal with that afterwards. Abraham's walking up this side of the mountain. The mountain range was called Mount Mar the range was called Moriah. And on the mountain range Moriah, there's a little place called the place of the skull. Where thousands of years later, God's son carried a load of wood up that same same mountain range. And this time, there was no lamb to save him. He himself was the lamb that changed and paid. God tested Abraham on the exact the same place where he was later going to send his own son. And the question is, Dad, where's the lamb? And what Abraham didn't know, that the three days it took him to climb to the top of that mountain, that he said, you stay here, we'll go on for a couple of days and we'll come back, he said to the servants. The days that they stood there walking, carrying walking towards the place where Abraham in his heart knew he'd already decided, I'm going to kill my son on top of this mountain. And as they walked closer, what they did not see was a ram wandering up the other side of the mountain. Because when he chose to obey, God caused the ram to start wandering to the place where he knew Abraham would be. And the ram was caught in a thicket so that when Abraham arrived and God opened his eyes, he saw the ram. What some of you may not know is that the moment you took a step to obey what God told you to do, he's causing a ram to walk up the other side of your mountain so that when you get to the place of where God told you to be, the ram, the provision, what the God who has gone ahead of you to see to it is waiting for you there. And so the, the, the phrase that Abraham started and it became, it's, it's on the mountain of the Lord, it will always be provided. And so I just want to say to you, if there's something the Lord told you to do, can I just suggest that you start walking in that direction? Because the moment you start walking in that direction, even though you can't see it, and even though you won't see it until the very last moment, God is causing a ram to walk up the other side of a mountain to meet you in the place he told you to be. So we're 23 minutes in, and I'm going to end this message now. How about that? Two things I want you to remember. There are some promises God has made to you. Please take them to heart. When I say, what are the promises God's made to you and you don't know what they are, that's a problem. You should know what God promised you. Abraham did. And he lived and he rested and he acted as though they were true. Make sure you know the promises God's made you. Make sure you know the promises you're trusting God to see. It's helpful to you. It'll change the way you live. Secondly, I just dare you to start walking in the direction of something God told you, whether you understand or not. Because something is unlocked in this walk of faith. The moment you start walking towards, I don't understand it, but God told me to do this. I'm not going, I'm start walking. The moment I start walking towards it, God starts to unlock the resources that are necessary for my journey. 
God provided a lamb according to Abraham's confession of faith. But Abraham would never have discovered that lamb unless he'd walked up the mountain. And I just feel like there's, some, there's a whisper in the room. Some of you, get the temptation is to get tired, to get weary in, in well-doing. Wow, man, is this really? I mean, I'm getting closer. I'm doing the thing God told me to do, and I just don't see anything here. This is barren hillside, and I'm about to kill my son, and where's God? I thought he told me, and what's going on? And I confessed the faith, and now there's nothing. And you know, stop. There's the ramp. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you help us? I'm asking, Lord, that every person in the room, right now, by your Holy Spirit, you'd remind us of a promise you've made us. That you made, Lord, and you never break your word. So, Lord, we just sit back and ease into that and believe. Because we're choosing, Lord, not to do this by effort. We're choosing to do this by faith. We believe. Thank you for that promise, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for the fulfillment of that promise. Every promise in this room. That we will see the fulfillment of that promise in the land of the living. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for everyone in the room that you give us courage to do the thing you told us to do. And that Lord, as everybody starts walking to the place you told us to be, just recognize, Lord, by faith that you have released a ram, the provision is walking up the other side of the mountain. And Lord, even though we can't see it, and even though it doesn't feel like it, we know who you are. You are the Lord who will go ahead to provide. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Greg. Uh, just a quick reminder as we close, um, the uh, champions uh, out in the hallway for all our young kids, if you haven't written on that, and uh, bless them with what you sense and feel the Lord has on their life. Do that before you leave. And also, we start uh, community groups this week. We launch them out, so that information should be getting to you. If you haven't signed up for a community group, do that. That's part of where the promises of God are in our relationships with one another, so do that. We love you guys. Wonderful Sunday. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you guys again very, very soon.